Kia ora and welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and this is the New Zealand Wine Podcast. In this episode we're speaking with Vic Tutton from The Bone Line in Waipara, North Canterbury. You can find out more by going to theboneline.co.nz. But right now, let's have a chat with Vic. So hello Vic, thanks for coming in today. Nice to have you with us. Hello Boris. Um, so you've travelled up from the uh, Waipara in North Canterbury? Yeah, I have. And um, so tell us a little bit about how you came to be doing the bone line. What was where, where did that start for you? Have you always been in wine or did it start somewhere else? Oh, for me personally, it's probably started, I was back when I was in London in the early 80s. I was working in a bit of hospitality. I ended up doing the WECT courses and got sort of more focused on wine. So wine was kind of like a background interest. Then um, when I went back to New Zealand, I became involved in arts management because that was my degree in art history. And from that, um, I ended up doing an MBA to get better in management knowledge, really. And then that led into working in HR, which I absolutely hated. It was just terrible. <laughs> it was a square peg in a round hole, so I was told. But I think um, it was a hole I did not want to go near because it <laughs> wasn't me. So... Um, Around the same time as I luckily got the boot, there, my, my husband was um, a rhododendron specialist. He's a plantsman, like a, a, a real grower. Mm-hmm. And my older brother was a wine merchant in London, and he'd been a restaurateur as well. So we all decided, let's grow grapes. Let's grow grapes in Waipara. And we knew that Waipara was a good place to grow grapes because we, um, me and my brother um, are from a grain growing and flour milling family so we had the background we always knew all the, all the good wheat came from Waipara because it was dry hot um, had a really good climate for what we wanted and really free draining gravels so and limestone so that's where we we, we looked looked around everywhere um, and eventually found found the site and said nobody would sell that to us um, but it, the next week we actually found it was strangely enough advertised and we couldn't believe when we drove up and looked and thought this is exactly the same place that we, um, we, we thought would be wonderful. So we got into it. There was no great plan to have a vineyard, live the vineyard dream because I don't think there were, a lot of people have a vineyard dream that it's a marvellous lifestyle but it's the life of a peasant and you have to be prepared to be a farmer and work hard and be, appreciate the little things in life cause, and be patient. It's, mm. it's a long process. Yeah. So, yeah, I came about it. It came about. It came upon me. It wasn't a career path I chose. I'd still be really happy to go back to arts management, but I can't stop doing what I'm doing at the moment. I haven't finished. Right. Yeah. 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 So you've got. You've got. You've got. You've developed some goals along the way, and you're wanting to achieve those. And oh yeah, every yeah. every every vintage, you think, ah, oh, we can tweak this. We can do this a little bit better. Or and it's all about the expression of the place, of the expression of the site, and all the little microclimates and terraces that we have. So yeah, you never think you've got the job done. No, no, right. And so talk talk uh, talk us through a little bit about the site. What um, how's it situated, and what's the? Well, most people talk about the Wiper Valley in North Canterbury as being along State Highway One, heading north south roughly. Uh, our our actual river valley bisects that, so we're growing on a long thin site right along the river and the upper end of the river so west towards the foothills of the Alps and we have a multi-terraced site with two major big amphitheatres at sort of almost river level and that's what really gives us our unique ability. One of them is Hellblock, that's the upstream one. It's very, very free draining gravels and huge big banks around it. It's quite a, the banks sort of are cathedraling with a sort of sandstone limestone. 
um, and that has underrunning underrunning streams running underground. So some of the vines get their feet down into the into the streams. Others don't. We irrigate there, but mm-hmm. it's because other ones that don't get down into the water table are. Um, yeah, there's, it's, it's, there's no water holding capacity. So that's a really special kind of a block. Then the next amphitheatre downstream is um, where we grow our reeds, and that is particularly, it's a big sort of like a semicircle, whereas hill blocks are elliptical. Uh, so this is a big semicircle with huge high banks, um, gravel banks, and they collect the heat during the day from the north and radiate back at night. So it's very, very sheltered, super hot. And we can ripen the Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc and Syrah down there, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what um, what varieties do you have? Well, it's, we have a very strange range, and it's sometimes it's unwieldy, and I, I'm jealous of people who have, say, two or three varieties, because it would be so manageable. But we can actually grow everything from the early ripening, like Sauvignons and Rieslings, Pinot Noirs, um, Chardonnays, right through to the Cabernet Sauvignons, the Merlots, and Cabernet Francs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a huge range, and then sometimes we manage to get a sticky out of it as well. So right, okay, okay. So mm. so you do. So there's quite quite a range, and so it, it, is it quite a large um, area that you've got there? Or? Well, we've got 450 acres, but it's a mm-hmm. thin, long strip along the river with multi terraces, and we've actually concentrated on growing and having our winery in the middle section. We lease out either end of it to a sheep farmer, which is nice. It's mm-hmm. sort of very um, low. Uh, low impact on the property so yeah. that if we want to expand that way then we can we've got an irrigation structure that we can expand either way um, and yeah I mean we, yeah, we, we've grown varieties where we thought they'd best be suited but along the way I mean we, we planted, we found the property in 89 planted a lot of it in 1991 um, and some of that was from well, in fact, most of it was actually from the original four white pro experimental vineyards, and Lindsay and I took cuttings from from these um, vineyards and grew them up ourselves. So a lot of it was on its own roots for a start. And then in 1990, we went to a viticultural conference in Marlborough, and somebody had found something weird in their vineyard, and it happened to be phylloxera. So that was the first time phylloxera was found in the in the South Island. So from then on, we've bought in some new new material on grafted um, grafted rootstock and then we've also had our own grafting program for quite a while so we we boosted we're now about 50 50 own rooted and grafted so we've got these lovely old vines on both own roots and grafted mm-hmm. and we're also now in the process of regenerating some of our really old vines by again taking cuttings that some of it will put back on own own roots because so far we're phylloxera clear and we're managing to keep it out um, and also we'll bring in some new plants um, from some of the newer clones that have been imported probably on um, on root, root stocks. Right. So so when you think about putting in a new varietal, do you, do you try a few different spots or do, does it, do you think about it for quite a while and go, okay, here's we think is going to be the best spot and you just go for it? Or uh, We have a... And we always dig. We dig everywhere. We, mm. we dig, but we sort of... Now we've been living there for so long, we've got a real sort of... I don't know, we really feel what the property's doing. Right. Really got an idea for it. And so all the different seasons and all the different conditions. Um, so now we're getting pretty, we're getting much finer at, at tuning where we want to put things. So right. we'll put, sometimes we'll put, say, two or three rows here or there just to sort of try and see, um, like, is that good for that particular variety? Is that mm. good with that rootstock? You know, mm. All those sort mm-hmm. of things. Do we want that, especially if it's a high vigour varietal, um, and we want to bring that down. To reduce it with a, you know, so we, we but it's, it's always, a, and then we might, um, it ends for a, a, a bit of a patchy vineyard, yeah. But 
there's always something new that you're trying better. And as long as you're keeping really good records of everything, it doesn't cause an issue at all. Right. Just okay. add, it adds complexity in the end. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so back in '89, that's when you first found the piece of land, and yeah, mm. yeah, that mm. was um, that was just so so exciting, really. But when we f- were showing it, I mean, it was after a drought, so the property was so run down, it was so tired and um, dry and gnarly um, the next door farmer because things have been so hard he'd taken to real estate sales and so he, he showed us the property he was a real estate agent um, and said he, he, was, he only showed us half of it and then said um, um, we said is there any more and he, you know, he's, he eventually fessed up and said well yes there is but uh, me and my neighbour we were going to buy half of that each because it's actually really good land and we said well can we see it so we walked over to the edge he said yes and we walked over to the edge and looked down on what is hell block and it was full of lucerne and we just thought we want that right. so in the end we said okay if we can buy the whole property we'll take it um, which which luckily we managed to do so it was um, it was away from all the other vineyards I mean the, the, the vineyards at that stage were basically Mark Rattray vineyards White Springs early days of both and um a little one down the down south in Amberley called Amberley House. So that's not that's not been hit there for about twenty years. But anyway, so we're away from State Highway One, and people say that was a bit stupid because you wouldn't get the salad or sales. But we were looking for the, the right place to grow. We didn't. We wanted a frost-free area, and we knew that that was a good frost draining um, place. So we yeah, that's where we planted. We're irrespective of anything other. The house was a dump. The you know the the real estate agent said our oh, townies don't like the wool shed. I won't show you the wool shed because townies think they st- it stinks. Well, it's now our staff room and our music room. Right. Um. Yeah. It's you know it, it doesn't. I mean, we knew it's we knew wool shed stinks. So what? We're farmers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that um. So it's not that was not an issue. We look for a place to grow, and we've sort of rebuilt half the house and I mean we're still in the same house it'd be nice to have another little house but you know we're, we're there to grow and make good wine and that's that's been the focus that's that's kept us going all the way through so mm. it's been a good place I'm glad we found it but in that time now we've had um, most of the most of the time but the place between us and the state highway one has now got grapes all through it so that area has expanded, although a lot of those people have frost fans because they're lower down and they're not in the free draining air movement area. Right, right, yeah. So you would have seen quite a bit of expansion since yeah. you first arrived. Yeah, there. the corporates arrived. Mm-hmm. A wipe, well, what is now Wiper Hills, and um, yeah, the um, the big Camshorn block mm-hmm. and the big Waiata block. I mean, they've made they've probably tripled the size of the Wiper growing area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's still a lot of little family. Um, concerns and, and some really really high quality producers who are lovely people to work alongside so yeah. it's a good community yeah good good and so you've you've touched a little bit on the varietal so um, what are you producing um, at the moment oh a straight tank fermented Sauvignon Blanc from Hellblock, which is really zingy, zesty, and very vigorous vines. Very happy because they're down in this sort of in the underrunning streams. So yeah, very zingy, zesty, limey. Um, Quite different from Marlborough. It's not sort of grassy. It's it's got its own thing going on. Sometimes a little bit towards the passion fruit, stone fruit, but maybe maybe lime. Lime is zingy, zesty, mm-hmm. um, really refreshing. Yeah. And we also make um, from two blocks of Sauvignon Blanc upstairs, which are quite different, quite sort of small nutty berries. We make um, a, a barrel fermented Sauvignon Blanc, which we call Riverbone, and that is just so luscious and opulent. Um, 
a lot of people say, oh, we're over Sauvignon Blanc. They try Riverbone and they go, ah, no, we're not. Right, okay. So um, that, that is a really good fun wine to make. Then we do the Chardonnays. We have a barebone Chardonnay, which is from our road level block. Big, gnarly boulders, quite a, the most exposed place on our property. Um, and there's a few mix of clones in that block, maybe about 11 of them different ones. We tank ferment that and um, make it in a sort of Chablis style with... Um, no oak whatsoever, mm-hmm. fermented stainless steel, and just age it on leaves. Right, right. And okay. that is that's that's a pretty that's a wonderful wine actually. It's really sort of lively and engaging and yeah, chalky minerally, yeah, very minerally driven. Yeah, nice. And another barrel a barrel ferment Chardonnay, Shark Stone, which is we go for light oaking, we go for gentle oaking, so we're still expressing the fruit, and that's finding its voice with the oak as a support rather than. Um, crunching crunching over the fruit mm-hmm. and then the Rieslings Rieslings we have a dry Riesling quite often or we have a Hellblock Hellblock Riesling is, um, tends to be lower alcohol and higher residual sugar but great sort of acidity and length to carry it through so it's not cloying or globular mm-hmm. um, really popular wine actually yeah yeah and is that the one that um, sometimes you do as a sweet or um, no I mean if if we find something like if we get a season that's often a difficult season, um, and they are happen- difficult seasons. I mean, the seasons have got so extreme now in the last five years. It's really the climate is changing. I don't care what anyone says; we've noticed it. Right, it's, everything is more extreme. Yeah, and it can be quite close together. Like like the seventeen season was um, every, like great extremes within about two or three months of each other. It was really weird. Anyway. Um, if we get a season where we we get sort of a bit of botrytis happening in a good way, and we've got we've left some fruit out to hope that that would happen, then then we'll get a sticky if mm-hmm. it if it goes all the full way through. Our, um, we we got a sticky out of 2017, and the previous one was 2012. So they don't happen very often. And no, so it, and and what varietal do are we talking? Usually riesling. The riesling. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We end up picking it in the snow. Oh, okay. okay. Wow. <laughs> that's um, that's leaving it late. Oh, 2012, we needed to. We right. needed to leave it that long. Right. 17 came off earlier. But yeah, okay. Mm. Okay, nice. And then we grow the reds. Yes. Yeah. And so well. what, what um, took us through the reds? Uh, Pinot Noir. We have two, two blocks of Pinot Noir. One is our original one of um, clones that we took cuttings from. Probably, I think they were from, oh, St. Helena were a lot of them. They very old, you know, that's Danny Schuster's original sort of pioneer great block down, um, which no longer exists, which is south of the Waimakariri River. Okay. Um, and so we got cuttings from the best clones that we thought there, and they're all unrooted. And then some of the other ones that were early imports, and a few, I think, from Wiper Springs. So then um, we have a newer newer block, um, which we went for and the new imported sort of clones and they're doing really well too and they add a real sort of bounce and vigour and um, I don't know you know joie de vivre really to mm-hmm. to our, our what we make into our Waimanu Pinot Noir which is uh, sort of top level and Waimanu tends to be savoury underneath um, really sort of earth driven um, and very fruit very fruit fruit and textural very sort of velvety um, velvety lush but qu- quite a Oh, very engaging. Very one you can really sink and relax into, like a big velvet sort of cushion. But it's got a nice structure. It's not all puff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, we we um that, that's in, in many ways that's sort of our considered one of our best. Um, then if we have um, some fruit that we're not so happy with, or some some barrels we're not so pleased with, we'll put those into our white label Pinot Noir, and that is 
you know, it's, it's actually a really good wine as well. It's, mm-hmm. it's we call it sort of like sort of cheaper and cheerful, but yep. it's it's still pretty. Yeah, it's pretty hot wine. It's very sort of exuberant and lively, and um, yeah, it's 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 a good youthful wine. Right. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And then we've got the reds. So um, we have a straight Cabernet Franc. When we have enough Franc left over from our optimum blend of the Cabernet Franc, the Cabernet Sauvignon, and um, the Merlot, and that can be that, that Iridium blend of the red, like a sort of Bordeaux style red blend, that can vary from year to year depending on the the um, ratio of those three grapes. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends. We just go through. We make a big barrel selection, and we have the whole winery crew, you know, doing a blind tasting everything, um, and then we build build the blend from there. Um, if we don't like something, we won't put it in. If there's the optimum blend is is what we're going for, and anything that is um, excessive to that, if it's franc, we just go yay because we can actually make a standalone franc, and yes. we're loving doing that. Yes. Um, and if we don't, re- if we really don't like it, then we'll use it in something else or let somebody else use it in something else. Right, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Oh, good. And, and what's um, what's sort of coming up coming up for you? You're sort of looking at uh, other varietals still or...? Well, we sort of are, actually. We've got our eye on... on um, we'd like to look at some Chenin Blanc. Okay. Next, and more mm. um, rejuvenating our Chardonnay plantings. Mm-hmm. Um, and also rejuvenating our Cabernet Sauvignon plantings because the Cabernet Sauvignon um, seems to be finding ancient life a bit harder than the Cabernet Franc. Right. Okay. So we're we're working we're maintaining those that old vine thing we've got coming through in the wine, and but we know you know that everything's got a life. Um, so we're sort of prolonging the health of the old Cabernet Sauvignon by putting um, trichoderma dowels into the trunks, just to, like to boost the immunity and help them. Mm-hmm. Give them a, uh, but we're also looking at um, taking new material and um, there's I think two or three rows we're not pruning this year we're going to pull them out let it go fallow and then replant with um, new material so it's just a process of continual regeneration and yeah. and tweaking and trying the odd new thing you know, two or three rows of a new thing and just seeing how much we like that what can that add to what we're doing yes yeah and yeah. That, that's fun all yeah. that stuff yeah yeah, and and the processes change. You change the process as you go along as well. You keep refining that. Yeah, we do. I, I think um, in recent years, since we we had a huge change in two thousand and twelve um, under Jeff Sinnott's direction, um, but I think within that now we as we have we've got a wonderful team in the winery at the moment. We've got a wonderful crew in the vineyard. The vineyard crew have been there a long time. We have people people don't change over very fast they tend mm-hmm. to stay and that gives them great satisfaction and seeing the results yep. coming through in the vine and in the wine I mean and they're very proud of that and they should be too because um, they're doing some great things um, very meticulous handwork and we handpick everything too so I mean nothing gets ruined along the way but the, particularly with the winery crew there now we've got Paul Goddard who is from Sacred Hill um, prior to being with us um, Brittany Roten who's trained in California Mm-hmm. And she's done a lot of New Zealand vintages before coming with to work with us. And Stefano Salvador, who's trained in Italy, and he's done a lot of work too. So I mean, with those three working together over harvest, it's it's great. I mean, there's always everyone's got a little bit they can add to the thing. Mm. So that's an evolving process in itself too. As people get to know the place, what the fruit's doing, um, how it's coming through, and the sort of one year old wine and yeah. wine and process. Yeah. Um, 
and everyone's everyone's got ideas everyone gets listened to yeah nice so it's fun there's yeah. a it's a really creative side of it yes but lots of hard work you know those guys work so hard and i love them for what they do yeah yeah nice and what, what about for you personally what have been some of the what have been some of the highlights along the way i think the um oh, the satisfaction or the I mean it's a continual battle with a family business with a small family business but at the same time it's huge satisfaction and huge sort of love for the family to for, for doing this and making this happen and um, and pride in what we're doing at the moment uh, and pride in the way we are doing it mm-hmm. um, we always try and be true you know very very true very realistic um, very honest and upfront and we're able to, we are doing that and that's that's great I really um I'm proud that we we can do that. We can take our wine to farmers markets like we do. We go to Littleton Farmers Market on a Saturday morning to get our veggies, but to also sell wine and to be able to front up and say we're doing this this way, mm. and because we grow it and we make it, and um, you know, and we do everything about it, we can come to a farmers market because there's no middleman. There's you know, it's an honest product, and right. that, that it's an honest local product, and that that's that's a that's good. That feels great, um, but. To bring, I think we planted, we did a, a somewhat, I don't know whether it's stupid or very a wonderful thing, but both probably, but we um, bred children and planted cuttings at the same time. So we had this intense period of two, maybe four years where the, the cuttings were becoming, you know, vines you could put in the ground, you nurse the vines along and they're not giving you anything back apart from just watching them grow and, you know, hoping they grow. And the same with the children. <laughs> you know, so it's a very focused time on the property where yeah. um, nobody's looking outside the, the little system you you you've got wonderful veggie gardens you've got you're very you know kids are picking up rocks and stones and looking looking for lizards underneath and mm. swimming in the river and you know growing up pretty wild because and having pet lambs and things because everything's very focused and the vines are just growing and growing and growing and it's all patience and then all of a sudden children start going to school down the road and the vines are Ah, fruit. So we get involved in making a winery, and so, yeah. the, so the, the vines are going out out the door too, next door, and you know into wine, and then um, then through New Zealand, and the kids are going down the road to high school, which is further away, right, and then nice. the the wine's going further away. It's getting mm. you know a bit around the country, and um, then the children are going to university further away, and out in their working lives, and the wine is um, going overseas as well. So I mean, it's a lovely kind of. It's been a very synergistic sort of process, yeah, very and good. that's satisfying. But I think. Just the fact that we're doing some, we're making a high quality product with integrity and working with wonderful people. Yeah. That's probably, yeah, and there's always more to do. There's always more, it's you, it's never business done. It's not just the business, it's the lure of the place. You can't pull away from this this valley. This valley is really strong. It's got really exciting things happening in it and there's always, there's always more to engage you and intrigue you. Mm, mm. I mean, I need intrigue. I need to be, I'm a, I'm curious and I want to see what happens next right. and or what happens if and this place and making growing and making wine always gives you I mean you've got to be patient mm. it's not instant but there's always what if and there's always you know what next yeah never well, runs out no well um, tell us about the name the bone line What's the, the bone line's a brand that we developed probably we started working on it about 19 I mean t- 2013 um, we wanted to Find, we have a heritage brand, Wiper West, which is the name of our weather station. We've had a weather station, like a manual weather station on the site since we arrived there. Um, and that's great because it made us pay real attention to what was going on. Now we've got an automated one, which is kind of, it's good, but it, 
you lose that kind of manual thing. We still check the rain gauge because it's so satisfying mm. when we get rain. We're in a rain <laughs> shadow, so it's good when you get rain. Um, but, yeah, the bone line we developed to better speak about where we are growing, what we're growing on, and the history of the place, the history of the river system that we're growing on. And the, the bone line was a vehicle to encapsulate the ancientness of the place and you know, the, 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 the creatures that had lived there before and you know, between us and the formation of Zealandia or Gondwana, you know, I mean, the whole, the, the whole way back. Because mm. our river valley system is huge. It's a system of upthrust and then a river eating down, you know, to find its level to the sea. So it's a lot of sort of, it's, and that's been over successive, uh, successive, you know, mm-hmm. earth movements. So it's, we, we have the big marine fossils up the river system. We've got um, the really recent things like the, the mower, it's just a baby in terms of what's gone on there previously. Yeah. Um, so the bone line's all about that. that and um, I mean, in simple terms, sometimes if we can't be bothered explaining that, we just say, look, it's about the layer when the giant asteroid hit the Yucatan Peninsula and um, the ash covered the planet, causing the extinction of the dinosaurs. And that layer of ash, you can see that up in the gorge. The, right. white, the white gorge <laughs> is just upriver from us. And you can see that layer of ash plain as day. And that, you know below, you get different things from above because that was a major factor in, right. in the planet's history. Yeah. So, And that layer of ash is um, very, very rich in an element called iridium, and that hence our red blend is right. iridium. Okay. So, mm, mm. yeah, in a simplistic version, we can say that. Yeah. No, that's that, that's great. So it's a, it's it's a whole layering of um, geological events, if you like, that yeah. go into what's making the place where you're now growing wine. Yeah, geological and and, and, and human history. It's yes. really rich in human history. Mm-hmm. Um, the River Valley was um, it was a pathway through to the west coast for the early people right okay um, and there's a there's a there's a lot of um yeah it's, it's a fairly special place it's a fairly important place yeah and so just a bit more on the on the mower bone side so is it is it one of the places where there's probably the some of the largest collections of yeah all around through the Waikari Waipara area anywhere you get a, a wet patch or a, a tomo or um, a swamp mm. they they seem to you find the greatest sort of collection um we're very, very lucky because we have um, a really lovely relationship with a local person, Lee Love, and he's spent the last seven years going up and down the river looking and looking. He knows what to look for. He's become a real you know, citizen scientist, expert, paleontologist, and he works really closely with the Canterbury Museum um, natural history crew. And through Lee, we've become sort of good pals with those guys too and it's lovely just the, the knowledge we get from mm. them and Lee's the guy who he can walk up the river and see things that in a rock that nobody else would wow um, nice. and he's getting a lot of satisfaction from an, an international recognition for what he's finding mm-hmm. so yeah it is it's it's a real richness there and it's lovely to be able to help Lee do what he's doing and um, Lee gives a lot to the museum. They've got wonderful things from him, and he's advancing, you know, the knowledge of of what's happened in our area. So, yeah. the, and some of that's moa, and a lot of it's other things that are actually more important than moa. Moa are quite common, I think, because right. they're so recent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But there's there's even older, or a lot older things that he's coming yeah. across. Yeah, yeah. Plesiosaur, yeah. mosasaur, wow. um, a lot of sharks, wow, okay. megalodon. 
Lee has a, a beautiful first time we discussed this kind of thing with Lee. He just, you know, we shook hands and he pulled out of his pocket a megalodon tooth that was larger than my hand. <laughs> and the serrations, the enamel was so well preserved, and Gosh. the serrations along the edge of the tooth, it was still sharp enough to cut. It was just amazing. And he, just, he was just, he had it in his pocket. Right. I mean, he knew it was really, really special, of course, but you know, I guess a pocket's a good soft place to keep the beautiful thing. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And so, and so and we see some of that on your labels? Yeah, that, no, yeah. it's, it's wonderful. Um, yeah. we, Lee lets us have access to his collection. We went in and um, it was. We set up a studio in the winery, um, got our design friends to take really good photographs. So we've used the, and the Lee gets those photographs to use in his talks and speeches and things that he does around the, around the country. Mm-hmm. And we get wonderful, beautiful images to use for our label, our labels, and you know, and branding that we do, yeah, um, big posters and backdrops and things like that. I mean, yeah, there's there's such when you blow them up to that scale, mm. they're they're yeah. quite striking. Though. Yeah, they are. They're mm. very striking. Mm. Mm. Oh, good. And and for you, you're busy with um, other things as as well. So you're up in Auckland doing a, a few other things. Yeah, well, that's the other end of it. Selling wine, yeah. making wine move. <laughs> so, well, so. J- yeah. So just on that. So um, how how does your wine get out there? It, it's getting off offshore. Is that right? Have you got people? Well, we've only just mm-hmm. with with we've long time with. White West, we have um, my brother being a wine wine merchant in the UK. He um, developed markets in the UK through the EU, various countries there, and through Singapore, Hong Kong, sometimes in Canada, sometimes um, not in the States for a while, but you know, just the nice little niche markets that was sort of on his line of travel, and that was kind of an organic growth for White Prowest. Um, with the Bone Line, we've just sent our first... Um, export order to Australia which is great and wow. we'd love to find a distributor over there and we're just sort of working through that process at the moment mm-hmm. you know for a, a long lasting relationship you mm-hmm. know, rather than a, a sort of annual relationship yeah so um, that that's that's yeah where our efforts are going at the moment but in saying that we've got wonderful people that we work with domestically and they've really taken us to heart and um, it's it's great seeing the pleasure and enjoyment that people are finding in drinking the wine out there and the interesting wonderful places where our wines are now poured yeah and um, it's, just, it's great to hear someone saying oh, i was at such and such last night yeah. or last week i found your wine through drinking it you know yeah and the staff re- really recommended it and said oh yeah, you've got to have this yes um and nice. that's happening a lot now which mm. is super exciting for us mm. and we've got a wonderful um, representative who we work with down south, and she's doing wonderful work in Queenstown and Wanaka and Dunedin. Um, in Christchurch, we've just taken back our own sales distribution, and, and that's magnificent. That's largely because Brittany Roten's come on board, and as well as being our lab queen during harvest and um, helping in the cellar, the wine making, and helping me with administration and the boring side of it, it's really nice for Brit to be able to do the fun side and be you know, a salesperson in Christchurch mm. and it means it's it's great because it means that's one of us out there talking to people right yep. um, it's 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 one of the extended family it's not just a you know an unknown mm. but in saying that um, our down south rep Andy Pierce from Pallet Fine Wines and Janine McCullum and Invisible Wines from Wellington um, they are kind of sisters now right yeah. <laughs> they really are nice. and they're both totally on the same wavelength about finding the right fit. Everything we do is kind of 
about the right fit because we know we have small production um, and we know it. I think it's kind of like finding the right mindset. We're a mindset. We're not, not looking for a demographic. We're looking for a mindset and it's like minds and sort of like hearts and everyone who's involved with spreading the, the bone line out and about and uh, um, the Caro team up in Auckland, uh, Magnificent Anne um, with on-premises and MC and retail, everyone gets it. Everyone understands that and they're putting the wine in wonderful, wonderful places. Mm. That's nice. It must be very satisfying seeing that. Yeah, it is. Mm. It's, it's great seeing the enjoyment and mm. that it's working for other people as well as us. It's working for others, the people who are drinking it and the people who are pouring it. Mm. And, um, yeah, that's, that's it's the icing on the cake, really. Right. Yep. And, to, and so that's led to some other things you're doing at the moment as well up in Auckland here? Oh, yeah. Well, right right now we're um, here for the New Zealand School of Food and Wine um, sommelier competitions and um, the events that they've got going on as part of Restaurant Month. So we'll be presenting our wines along with some other wineries, so it'll be really nice to see who, who's going to be there. And yes. um, it's always good to ha- you know, swap swap wines and talk about things and yeah. chew the fat. Yes, yeah. nice. Yeah. As well as people who are coming to the event. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, good. And so those sorts of things keeping you not only busy in the um, in the vineyard, but um, doing other things around outside. Must yeah, certainly fill up your days. Oh, they do. That's yeah. I haven't had a personal holiday since two thousand and twelve, but you just have to t- <laughs> <laughs> you have to think. Oh well, a change of scenery and a change of what you're doing in the day is as good as a holiday. Yeah. But I will get one. That's yeah, you <laughs> will. You will. Yeah. And um, have you ever? Is, is there any uh, standout for you with perhaps one of your wines or uh, a meal you've had with one of your wines on one occasion or a, you know, a, a food pairing or something that's just really um, embedded itself in, in a memory for you? Oh. Um, or are there many? <laughs> well, it's funny. It's a, it's a weird one that springs to mind, and that is something I... Saw it on the menu. We, it was part of the Forage North Canterbury event that we uh, last year we had. Our Forage is a really interesting event that you should talk to someone about in its own, mm. <laughs> its own right because it's very cool. But um, as part of a, everyone goes out and forages various things, various groups, chefs and a psalm with each group go out and haul whatever you can back at collectively, then it gets shared out. Yeah. Or, um, put into plates a succession of plates and wine matches so um, this year we had um, our Riverbone Sauvignon Blanc the barrel fermented one was matched by Chef Alex Davies with who's got a gatherings restaurant in Christchurch which is a very very cool thing and um, he's he's on fire anyway Alex had this wonderful kind of it wasn't dried tomatoes but it was it's like almost like dehydrated or a really intensified tomato um, broth with barley, tomato and barley broth um, with various wild herbs and things that they'd encountered along the way. I mean, because all the forage things were found on that day. You know, so right. they'd okay. been to a, a mill and, and uh, you know, they got the rye, yep. the barley. So, yeah, it was, but it was the most intense and wonderful dish. And with that, the riverbone was just sublime, but I would never, ever have thought of putting those things together. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like the actual broth that he did, which was with the barley in it, let alone riverbone with it, and it was sublime. It was just like a really sort of savoury, saline you know, It was like going through a walk through, agri- you know, like the, a nice, dry, lovely sort of mealy grain kind of thing, dry through to this lovely sort of 
vegetative tomato and the sort of herbal saline sort of sea herbs. It was amazing. So that's the one that springs to mind. Right, yeah. Okay, nice. And I suppose you, you probably would have had a few of those like where you've, you've produced the wine and you know what the wine tastes like and, you know, you're happy with how that's expressing yourself and then you might actually have it with something and go, oh, here's another dimension to it that... Um, yeah, the, the food the food brings out and a whole other yeah, and expression. I think a, I think as well as that, there's also like the I think the enjoyment of wine to me is about the occasion and the place mm. as much as what you're you know what you're eating with it. But um, yeah, I think it's so affected by the company that you're in mm. or yeah. the mood that you're in yeah. or you know whether the sun's in your eyes or you're too hot or you're yeah. too freezing and your shoulders are tight, you know, whatever. Um, but I think it's it's all the temperature of the wine, if that's not right, mm-hmm. it can totally stuff things up mm. um, as well as just as well as the food. But I think it's, it's the overall pleasure and yes. I love it when people have that sublime everything's right. Yes. Everything's, everything locks together. Just that whole to, occasion. Yeah. Mm. Mm, mm. Oh, very good. Well, um, we're just getting to the end. So it leads us to the question of if um, you could have any wine with uh, anyone. <laughs> ah. What, um, what would that be for you? I've given this a bit of thought, and I think I'd like to talk to the, uh, the, the early civilizations that built the great temples, temples to Bacchus. I'd really like to know... What, I mean, apart from getting totally, you know, totally pissed, what was the power? What was the power? What was the magic? Because there were other things that they could have fermented and got the same alcoholic effect. So, what, what made you go on this great sort of cathedral building mentality? Like these buildings that they put together, these huge temples mm-hmm. that probably weren't finished in anyone's lifetime. Um, but, but they, the power of. You know, the, 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 the whole wine thing was strong enough to make them want to build these things right. or feel a need to build these things yeah. at huge expense and time and manpower. Um, I mean, do they know something we don't know? It can't just <laughs> yeah. be about alcohol. It can't just be about drunkenness. There's got right. to be something. What is it? What was it? And so I'd like to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And then on a smaller note, I'd really like to talk to... I don't know, maybe if, if I ever did have grandchildren or if they had grandchildren, I'd like to talk to, if they're connected still with the place, I'd like, well, what's happening now? You know, what's the next bit? Right. What's, because you know, I, I hate not knowing the end of stories. <laughs> so I always want to know what happens next. Right. You know? So you want to be in the future sitting down and, and seeing what's happening. And yeah, unless something dreadful's happened to our place, you know, to right. this site. I mean, it's only our place for now. It's, you know, whoever knows what happens in the future. I mean, yeah. we're all just a blink. I mean, yeah. the whole bone line concept, you know, has made me, well, I was very aware of that before we began it. And I think that's why we did begin this, pro, the, the, the whole bone line brand. But it sure reinforces it every day that we're just there for a, a, not even a blink and... Yeah. So, yeah, I'd like to know the next couple of blinks. Right. <laughs> next couple of blinks. Very good. Oh, well, thanks, Vic. That's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thanks again for your time. And, mm. um, yeah, so obviously if people want to find you, they can just go to um, it's uh, boneline.co.nz. Or is it the yeah. boneline? Yeah, the boneline.co.nz. Boneline. Yeah. Yep, and they can yeah. get in touch with you there. Yeah, we're always really happy to talk to people or, you know, online or even by telephone. Right, yeah, good old telephone. Yeah, good old telephone. There's nothing like hearing a voice. Well, thanks again, Vic. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Boris. Cheers. Bye for Bye-bye. now.
We've been speaking with Vic Tutton from The Bone Line in Waipara, North Canterbury, New Zealand. If you'd like to find out more, you can check them out on theboneline.co.nz. And be sure to check out some of the other New Zealand Wine podcasts, uh, either through your app or online. Just search New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for listening in. We look forward to your company again shortly. Hey, Bye for now.